Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Let's take just a moment and just wait in the presence of the Lord. Can you just take uh, just a brief moment to pause and maybe take a good deep breath? Man, this time of year can feel so hectic. It can feel so stressful and so overwhelming at times. It can feel like the most important thing is absolutely the last thing that we ever give attention to. What a formula for disappointment, discouragement, frustration, aggravation, and a jaded heart. (laughs) Have you felt jaded about the Christmas season as you've gotten older? Man, I know I have. And yet in the midst of it all, if we can take just a moment and remember that the Christmas season is not about gifts, it's about one who was the gift that we all needed most. It literally is all about Christ. And if we can remember that, this is probably one of the best times of year because it reminds us that God was not satisfied for humanity to be separated from him. And he gave us what we could not provide for ourselves. He gave us what we needed most. That was a savior. Thank you, God, for reaching out to us. Thank you, God, for not sending a fully formed savior. Thank you for allowing Christ to come in the form of a baby and deal with growing up in the adolescence and all of those different things that he experienced just like we do. He walked in our shoes. He's been where we've been. He's lived through the mess of life. And in the midst of it all, Lord, he was sinless and perfect so that we would have a savior to save us from our sin. Thank you, God, for this time of year where you interrupted human history so that we would not have to fear death We would not fear God's judgment and wrath, but instead we would be reconciled because of Emmanuel, God with us. And in the midst of all that's going on, Lord, I pray that you would help your people to experience the joy that you alone can give. We love you, Lord. We love you. And we thank you for all that you have done for us. And we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone here together said, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand one more time. Amen. All right. You can be seated. I thank you guys so much. You worship team. Great job. Fantastic job. I want to just kind of call out um, Tatum Puckett uh, was on the base. Isn't it good to see Tatum back in the house? Uh, I was very excited about having her with us. And, uh, you know, other thing that I keep thinking about is, you know, if it were me that could play guitar like Naeem can play guitar, y'all would hear nothing but a guitar solo. I'd like be up here the entire time just wailing away on it. Restraint. Restraint, Naeem, is good. It's a good thing. <laughs> That's why God gave you the talent and gave me the, the foot to pat. Yeah, it's good. It's good. The white man overbite. Mm, 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 mm good it's good all right hey it's good to see you guys here 
Um, kids dismissed to the back with Miss Kendall. If you'd like to go back there, even if you'd not like to go back there, go with Miss Kendall. She's got a thermometer making sure that you are good and safe. And thank you, Miss Kendall, for teaching the children and getting down on their level. May God bless you guys. All right, so let's just take off and start here from slide number three, if you don't mind, uh, Miss Sabrina. Thank you again for all your work and Manuel as well. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. What I just prayed in just a moment ago, uh, just felt um, in my heart and in my own spirit, just that reminder that, that God gave us all of these things when he sent his son. But also a reminder that God's timing is perfect. You know, in that moment when he interrupted history, it wasn't like, you know, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm not really doing a whole lot this particular millennia, so why don't we just send Jesus down there to, to the earth and see what happens? It wasn't like that at all. And so the reason that I bring that up is, is because in 2020, it feels like to many of us that God has not got his hand still on the wheel. That he's just released it and said, whatever happens, happens, and good luck to you. And that's not at all what this Bible teaches us here. It teaches us that God has a plan and in the perfection of time, he interrupted human history to send his son to provide that savior that we needed. So don't get it twisted. God is still in control. And don't forget that every time you feel out of control, you have the hand of the one who is in control of all things right there waiting to be strong on your own behalf. And that is important to know and important to remember. And God's perfect timing happens in your life and in mine just like it did in the Christmas story. Now, last week we talked a little bit about how if you looked at the, pa uh, the passages of Scripture that talked about the different characters of the Christmas story, if you looked real close, you'd see a couple of things, and it matches so perfectly with 2020. I had to use this as kind of the theme and the thesis of the Joy to the World teaching series that we're talking about over these next, uh, last week, this week, and a couple weeks still yet to come. And that is seen here in Zechariah that we talked about last week and I'll point it out to you. So let's take a look here. When Zacharias saw him, that being the angel Gabriel who had appeared to him, he was startled and was gripped with what? Fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You're to call him John. He is going to be a joy and a delight to you. And many will what? rejoice because of his birth and he will be great in the sight of the Lord. It's a very interesting thing. You're going to see it in this passage in Matthew chapter 2 that Peter read just a moment ago. I'm going to point it out to you. But if you notice, these things constantly happen. There is a feeling of dread and fear. There is a feeling of uncomfortable anticipation. There's a feeling of uncertainty that they don't quite know. And it's best described as being startled or being afraid. It happens consistently in the Christmas story. But then God, through his angels and his messengers, tell him, all these different people, do not be afraid. Instead, I'm going to give you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. That's what he says to the shepherds. We'll talk about that next week. But he also says something very similar as you look in the, the story about Herod. 
It says that the Magi, these are also called wise men traditionally, but they were probably people who saw signs in the stars, not astrologers per se, probably actual astronomers in the Old Testament and uh, early New Testament period. But here's what we see in Matthew chapter 2. When King Herod heard about this sign that appeared in the heavens that brought this magi, this group of wise men, which may have been three, may have been four, may have been five. We just know at least that it was more than two. We've always traditionally said there were three because guess what there were? There were three gifts that were listed. Doesn't mean that there were only three wise men. It's very interesting to think about because that's just how we've always traditionally done it. And when you're here, if you're here uh, or in, uh, on the online feed on December 20th, I'll be lighting three wise men candles because that's just kind of the tradition. But it's not always the actual accuracy uh, from the scriptures. But when they come to Herod and they said, hey, we saw a star rising that told us that a king was being born. And we come here to you because this is where the star has led us. And in the process of all of that, notice King Herod heard about this and he was disturbed and so was everybody else that heard about it in Jerusalem. They noticed these kings coming in probably to some of the gates and word began to spread and they were saying, what is this meaning and what's happening? And then they heard from different ones and probably the kingdom uh, hall gossip kind of got out there. And then it says that they heard that there was a, something to be afraid of and something to be nervous about. But then the star tells them where to go. It tells us that the star rested over the house where the child was. And then we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But it says, but when they saw the star, when they came to the place where they saw Jesus instead of the obstacles, when they saw Jesus instead of the circumstances, what did they feel? They felt joy. They were overjoyed. The old, te- or the old New King James Version that I was kind of raised on back in the day was says that they rejoice with exceeding great joy. Now, I don't know what exceeding great joy means or looks like, but there was probably a small jump, you know, in the middle of it. Woohoo! You know, that kind of thing, exceeding great joy, right? And I'm not going to jump because I, I, I just don't do that anymore. Not really, not really. So here's the deal. They saw the star, they came to the place where they saw Christ, and they were overjoyed. They were excited. They had come to the end of their search when they found Christ. There's, man, that's a whole message that I'm not going to preach, but it sure would preach pretty well. So here's what we see. Why do you think they're disturbed? Why is Herod disturbed and why is all Jerusalem disturbed? Well, for Herod, it could mean the loss of power. If you're Herod and you know that the star has ridden, risen, uh, that's kind of telling us that a child has been born that will be king, guess who's not going to get to be king anymore? You. So when Herod was disturbed, he was upset because it was a loss of power for him. But I want you to remember something. At the end of this story, at the end of Matthew chapter 2, it talks about how in this situation with King Herod, he kills a number of the babies, maybe in the hundreds or thousands of babies that are killed in the area around Jerusalem because he is determined that the Christ child will not take his place of authority and take his place of power. And just reminds us very clearly that the things that we take for granted as far as what's going to happen in our world, the fairness and the peace and the things that we are so used to in our world here in the United States just simply did not exist in the Bible times. And I'll be very honest with you, in some places in this world, it still doesn't exist 
There is no such thing as you get what you deserve. You sometimes get things that you have nothing to do and there's no way for you to prevent it. And so let's be reminded that whenever something changed, like this all, all Jerusalem being upset about it, it's because the status quo had suddenly changed and there was a political change going on. Now, I know none of us can understand anything about the feeling of a loss of power in 2020 or the disruption of the status quo in 2020. We can't identify at all with that or a political change in 2020. None of us understand any of these feelings or worries or concerns, right? I mean, no, not at all. I mean, isn't it interesting when these things are listed and you really look at what the Bible is telling us that the Bible is just as, just as relevant as it has ever been. I mean, it is so true that you look at the Bible and it reminds you that we have this tendency to be afraid, but we also have the opportunity for joy. Today, in December of 2020, you have the opportunity for fear and you also have the opportunity to experience joy. This is the decision that I put in front of you that God continues to put in front of all of his people. It is still the same today. You can embrace the fear or you can embrace the joy. It is truly your decision. Now, very quickly, I want to talk a little bit about this, and I want to feel like it's going down a rabbit hole, but I'm not. I promise. This is important, and this ties a lot of stuff together. So come along with me. How many of you guys... You look at this, this looks like the normal nativity scene, right? Do any of y'all have a nativity scene at your house? Anyone? Let me see your hands. Y'all have a nativity scene? You know, right? Because you know all the different characters. You know that there should be at least three wise men. Usually there's at least three shepherds, probably a horse and a donkey, but you definitely got to have baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph, right? And there's probably an angel. How many of y'all's nativity scene has an angel, right? Exactly. So you know all the characters, right? We know what the nativity scene looks like, but let's be very clear on something. The truth of the matter is, is that if you were listening close and if you've listened to some of the messages that I continue to preach, I don't preach these to knock down your uh, theories or these things that you've had as traditions, but I want you to be very clear that if you listen closely to what Peter read a minute ago, the Bible tells us that whenever they came into the house, that they saw Mary with the child. And you may be going, well, hold on just a second. I thought Jesus was born in a stable and he was put in a manger. Now, all of y'all are from Texas, right? So you all have that same accent and twang, right? All right, so that's what you're thinking. The truth of the matter is, is that's not what happened. That's our tradition that is not actually in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, in Mexico, they celebrate something that we don't really celebrate here. And I'm going to try my best to say it the way that it's supposed to be said, but let's click to this next one. It is called, oh, oh let, yeah, let's go to this. When we look closely at the story, it's clear that the wise men or magi came and encountered the Christ child later, possibly even much later than the traditional story of finding him still in the manger. Now, let's go to slide number 12 very quickly, and this is what I'm talking about. It's called Dia de los Reyes, which means Three Kings Day. How many of you have ever heard of Dia de los Reyes? Let me see your hands. Any of you? All right. Well, some of y'all are from South Texas, and that's a good thing. All right. Dia de los Reyes is actually celebrated in Mexico. And if you've ever thought to yourself, well, why in the world does Randy 
go down with the stuff for all the people. And why is it that he goes down there after Christmas, like a week after Christmas or a week and a half after Christmas? What's going on with that? Well, here's the deal. In Mexico, the more traditional day of actually receiving gifts, more so than Christmas, is on Dia de los Reyes, which means Three Kings Day. Because in Mexico, they have not lost sight that the same day of Christmas of Christ's birth is not the same day when the wise men arrived. You guys with me so far? You understand what I'm saying? So remember that when you read the story, the Bible's not wrong. It's our traditions that are wrong. It's our nativity scenes that are wrong. So if you want to go and get your money back, I mean, you can say, I'm sorry, this is not biblically accurate. I'd like to have my money back. I've only used it for 23 years. You know, whatever you're doing, that's fine. I know y'all are laughing. It's just that you're laughing behind your masks, right? Is that what's going on? Okay. All right. So here's the deal. As you go forward and remember this, understand that the Magi are coming maybe even much later than Jesus's birth. This is part of why we can go down. Dia de los Reyes is celebrated on January 6th. This year we're going down January 4th or 5th, just depending on what everybody's work schedule and when we can get it all together. And so this is what's going on. And the timing in Matthew chapter 2 is very interesting. And I want to just kind of point out the timing in Matthew chapter 2. Herod called the Magi and found out when the star had appeared. And then you go down, and this is kind of condensed here, but that's Matthew chapter 2, verse 7 at the top of that. And then you go down a little bit, and you see in verse 11, and then in verse 16, on coming to the house, we already mentioned that part, but then they bowed down and they worshiped him. But then later, when they went their opposite way and didn't go back to Herod, Herod was so angry that he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under. That means that they could have shown up to the house where Jesus was up to two or three years after the fact. Now, I know that doesn't make as good a story, and I know that that doesn't really make a good nativity scene. Some of y'all are going to go home and throw your wise men out and be like, they weren't there, this ain't right, you know, whatever. Don't do that. Just leave them in there and just know what's going on. And part of the reason I say this is not so I can be a smart aleck. It's so that you can know that sometimes traditions and scriptures don't line up. And that's why we need to be pointing out that the truth of scripture does not depend on a nativity scene or a tradition or a, a Christmas play or a live nativity or something like that. It's more important that we grasp what's going on. And there's actually some very interesting things because isn't it interesting that we know that Jesus was born into a very, very poor family And yet somehow they had the money and the means to flee to Egypt where they had no family connections and family ability to, you know, have money and that kind of thing and get a new job and all of those things. I wonder where that came. Oh, gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Isn't it interesting how God provides what you need when you need it? When God gives us what we need the most. And thank God that he knows when that need is there. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that I've been waiting sometimes and said, God, you're already late. You're already late. I don't know what's happening here, but you've already missed the deadline that I had. And he says, no, 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 Randy, in the fullness of time, I'm going to get to that need and I'm going to provide the very thing that you need the most in the very moment that you need it. And so it is so good to know that God is there. Can I get an amen, right? Amen. 
All right. Well, I know that you can't be heard quite as well with your masks on. So that means you're literally going to have to be five times louder with your amens. It's a a rough figure I've figured up on the masks and stuff. So about five times louder with an amen is probably all you need to give me. All right. Amen. Amen. I like that, man. That's good. All right. So it's interesting also to look at and understand that there was some very unexpected things that happened around Christ's birth. And I want to talk about those very quickly. I shared this with you last week. They, they expected the silence to break, but there was six more months of silence from Zechariah when his you know, child's birth was predicted. They expected that a king would rise, but instead a baby was born. They expected that there would be a powerful family who has an heir, but instead they found parents from the lower class. They expected nobility to notice when Jesus was born, but instead he was born in a humble stable from the outcast class that was there. People like shepherds and, you know, no wise men were even there that night. They expected a magic bullet that God would just fire and everything would change for them and everything would become perfect the moment that he snapped his fingers, but that wasn't what happened. Instead, it was a scandalous virgin birth that she had to endure and go through to accomplish God's will and purpose. Now, very quickly, I want to share with you each week I've been trying recently to give you one to remember. One passage of scripture that you can remember and and memorize, and it will be something that I believe will be a help to you and a blessing to you. This is the one that I'm going to be speaking about next week. It's from Luke chapter 2. The angel said to them, that being the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. I encourage you to remember that and put that in your memory banks. Be a person who can always remind yourself, you don't have to be afraid because the Lord is with us. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't forget that really, truly, the things that we're talking about when we're talking about joy to the world, it is a choice that we make. We talked about this just a moment ago, so I won't linger. But here we talked about that you can embrace the fear that you are tempted to have, or you can embrace the joy that God came to bring. And very quickly, I remind you that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering. It's gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. And against these things, there is no law. This is what Galatians chapter 5 says in the King James Version. That's how I memorized it when I was a kid. But the truth of the matter is, is the second thing there is it tells us that it is joy. And if you look closely in Galatians chapter 5, it basically says that the more that you walk with the Spirit, the more you will display the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to say that one more time, and I just want you guys to say amen. If you don't say amen, I've got like three more minutes to make sure you get it. So I'm ready for a good amen in a minute. Now, here's the deal. If you walk more closely with the Spirit, then you will more closely display the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, y'all, y'all just knocked three minutes off the time. That's very good. Here's the truth. You can't forget this. If you are a person who has allowed 2020 to win the victory over you, I'm here to remind you that not only is joy a choice, it is also the thing that you have to daily decide. You know what? I'm going to walk hand in hand with the Lord today. I'm not going to let these things be so fearful in my life. I'm instead going to embrace the joy that God gave to give, came to give. And very quickly, that brings us to the big idea. This is so important. 
So important. The wise see God's hand, even in difficult or unexpected events of life. It is so important that we grasp that being a person who follows the Lord does not mean that everything goes perfectly in your life. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, but the end of the story of Christmas ends with a cross and then a tomb and then a resurrection. The truth of the matter is, is that I can't promise you that just because you're following Jesus and doing things right, that you're never going to face challenges, problems, or issues in your life. I can't because that's not true. It's just simply not true. You go back and you look at all of the disciples who were going out and sharing the good news of God's love and his provision of a savior, and almost every single one of them died a martyr's death. But they're in the presence of God today. Now, you have to look a little longer than what this world wants you to see. But the truth is, is that just because you follow Christ does not mean it will always be easy. It just means that it will always be meaningful and powerful. And in God's timing and in his way and will, it will accomplish his purpose. And that's what we're here for in the first place. That's how we got here in the first place. God said, I'm gonna create mankind in my image to bring glory and honor to me. This is how he created us. It's not to have an easy life. And sometimes in America, especially in our modern world, we forget that this is not the point. It's not that point to have an easy life and for everything to go well and us to be happy. It's for us to bring glory and honor to God. So in the process of all of these things that we face in 2020, is it possible to find joy? I want to point out two things very quickly on how you and I can find joy and what that looks like and some of the things that we can focus on to actually feel that joy that God came to give us. Let's go to this one here. This says, a wise person finds joy if the unexpected is found. How many of you thought to yourself, that you'd be sitting uh, last December, the first Sunday in December of 2019, you never thought to yourself, I'm going to show up to church and this is what my face is going to look like. No, no, not at all. How many of you have a collection of more than five masks? Can I see your hands? That's insane, right? It's insane. Why do we have five masks. I won't tell you how many my wife has, but it's probably somewhere close to 45. I'm, I don't want to overstate it. She's found $3 masks. I think we spent a hundred bucks at Old Navy. She literally can match her shoes with her mask every single day. And I love her for it. I mean, she looked good. Don't get me wrong, but it's weird. <laughs> Back there going, oh yeah, that's true. Well, don't miss this, Shelly. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm preaching to all of us. Hold on just a second. I'm kidding. I don't even know what the don't miss this is. Let's go to this next don't miss this. It's the next slide. Oh, all right. Very good. So this is John Maxwell. And he is the guy who has been in leadership for years. He's written the book, Developing the Leader Within You. It is a very important thing that he has written. I definitely can encourage you with that. But he shares something in a, in a, in a thing that you could actually get via Audible. Let's go to that next slide. Um, it's called On This Holy Night. And it's sermons by Max Lucado, Rick Warren, David Jeremiah, John Maxwell, Jack Hayford, Bill Hybels. John Maxwell wrote... Uh, a, a message entitled, When You Follow a Star and Find a Stable. 
I love the way that that's written. I just couldn't bring myself because we just talked about the fact that they didn't actually find the stable. So I can't really go down that road. But the concept is the same. When you think you're following God and then everything unexpected happens in your life. Right? How many of you have ever been there? Right? We've been there. We've all been there. So here is what he says. He says a couple of things, but one of them that I want to talk about is how do you handle the unexpected? Listen to what he says. The difference between a weak and immature Christian and a strong Christian is this right here. When good things come along, a weak and immature Christian says, well, it must be from God since everything good is happening. Everything's working out so well, so God must be in it. But strong Christians see God in both the good and the bad. The mature believer sees God not only in pleasures and in palaces, but also in the barnyards and the stables of life. He has hit the nail on the head. If God is only cool with you when he does everything you want him to do, guess who's really God in this relationship? Think about it. Think about it. If the only way that he gets your praise and glory is if he does everything that you think he ought to do, guess whose wisdom is getting implemented in your life? It ain't exactly eternal wisdom, is it? It's yours. And I don't know about you, but man, I have thought some things that I ought not ever have thought. I thought I had some stuff figured out that I realized, whoo, I wasn't even close. And so if that's true in your life like it is in mine, I have to back off and say, you know what? I love it when it's palaces and pleasures, but I got to admit that sometimes God has done the most important work in my life when I found myself confronted with the unexpected. And when that happens, it takes a stronger me than I want to be sometimes to say, God, man, I wanted a palace and I got a barnyard. I wanted the star and I got the stable, and to use John Maxwell's own words. But when I can get to that place and when I'm able to embrace that thought, I learn things and I grow deeper and God moves much more powerfully. Now, hit pause, hit pause for just a second and ask yourself this question. How would you feel if Jesus had not been born in a stable, but had been born in the highest of the high class and the, the nicest of the nicest palaces that could ever be? And literally, he didn't even come to Jerusalem because there was a better palace somewhere else. I mean, think about that. That might be beautiful and glorious, but it sure doesn't feel like anything that I can identify with. He's been where I've been. He's gone through what I've gone through. It is important for you to know that wherever you have been, he's been in that kind of place. He has been on the outcast side. He has been where nobody noticed. And don't you want to know that the Savior who came to save your soul has gone through what you've gone through? Man, it is a beautiful thing. And that is part of the biggest beauty of Christmas, that we realize that it's not about me. It is about him and what he was willing to go through to save people just like me and just like you. And by the way, if you're like, hey, I identify with the palaces, it's all good. Well, I get it. Maybe you do. Maybe that's all that you've ever experienced. But don't forget that that might not be your entire existence. There have been a lot of people that started in palaces that ended up in gutters. And will you still give glory to God if that's the truth in your life? Very quickly, let's talk about some of God's surprises. I mean, he has thrown some surprises our way. What about Joseph's rise to power? The prisoner 
who was there for years, who suddenly overnight became second in command in the largest empire of his time? What about when Moses, the person who stuttered, was chosen to be a spokesman for God? That don't fit, (laughs) but it worked. Why? Because God was in it. What about God's surprise when he chose David as king and his own dad forgot to call him and present him to Samuel? He went through every single one and said, uh, not feeling it. God didn't say this is any of these guys or do you not have another kid? Oh yeah, I forgot about the youngest. Man, God does things weird sometimes, surprises us with what he does. What about Esther saving the nation? Whoever knew that a beauty queen could have brains? The most powerful and faithful person in the entire kingdom got there because she was incredibly beautiful. She had the inner and the outer beauty. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something to strive for? Who knew that the beauty queen would be the reason that there's still a nation of Israel today? But it's true. God knew. What about the killer who's turned missionary? The apostle Paul who went out to persecute the church and instead became the greatest missionary that the world has ever seen. God is full of surprises. And anytime you bump up against something that's unexpected, if you think, that's not what I expected, that can't be God. No, no, you're probably right in the middle of where God is. Just like the wise men found a pretty humble home with a very humble group of people And yet still, they gave their very best to God. And that brings us to this second piece. And that is this, very quickly. A wise person finds joy because they give their best. Now, can I just be honest? Sometimes it is easy for us to do things halfway when we think that this is not necessarily worthy of our best effort. I know none of you guys can appreciate that because I know that all of you on your Zoom calls are dressed from here down, right? Uh, right? I, I mean, okay. Like, like there are people that literally are like wearing slippers, fuzzy slippers and, you know, sweatpants. And then up here, they're like got their jacket on and they look like they're ready for the, you know, the nicest uh, place. Nah, right? We don't ever do it halfway because it's not going to get noticed, right? Let me ask you a question. When the wise men found Christ, why didn't they turn around and go, you know who will really appreciate our gifts? These folks don't need it. I mean, this is more than they expected. We'll just leave one. (laughs) They'll be happy with one. And then we're going to go back and we're going to find Herod and we're going to give him these two extra gifts because he's the one with real political clout. We're going to make this trip worth our while. You guys hear what I'm saying? Listen. There is joy in giving your very best. And you can fool other people about giving your best to God, but you will never fool God and you will never fool yourself. You know when he has you heart and soul and you know when he does not. And there is joy when you give your very best, even if it's not required even if you could get by with giving less and nobody would say a word. If you do not give your very best to God, when are you going to give it? When is it going to be given? Are you going to go through all of your life at half speed? I don't know what the future looks like for our church because I think everything is going to change. I really do. I think everything is going to change in this world 
at least for a little while. But when we all start getting back together again, and when we see one another face to face and we're not giving fist bumps and elbow bumps and we can actually give a hug, that's months away. Y'all don't be freaking out on me, all right? But when that does happen, I hope that we come back with a renewed focus and understanding that God always deserves our very best and anything less is a statement on us and not on him. It is a statement that we have not given him our very best effort and our very best is what he demands and what he is so worthy of. So for us, we give our very best and we give it to him and we give it to him willingly, not because we could get away with less, but because he deserves our best. And for you, if you have not grasped this, let me help you to understand that there is joy in giving your best and anything less, you will feel a little less than fulfilled. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to keep moving here, but let me just give you this real quickly. There's a picture of the Washington Monument. John Maxwell actually was talking about the Washington Monument. He said he went to go. There's an observation deck about 500 foot above the ground floor. Now, that's a long ways. 500 foot above the ground floor, there's an observation deck, and it is, I'm sure, an amazing view as you look out on the National Mall in the beautiful city of Washington, D.C. But you know what? He went, and he was standing at the back of the line. He said, I'm the world's worst when it comes to patience. So he said, I went to the very front of the line, and I said, hey, is there a way that we can get up to the observation deck any quicker than standing in this two-hour line? And the guy said, as a matter of fact, there is. John Maxwell was excited. He said, really? Great. What is it? He said, you don't have to wait on anybody if you take the stairs. <laughs> 500 feet of stairs. Let me just say this. The whole world is giving less than their best. You don't have to really push and claw your way to get to the front of the excellence line because most people are giving less than their best. It's just true. Now, very quickly, I want to ask you a question as we kind of bring this to a close. This is a big question that I have for you. Here is what it is. Have you noticed that you're missing the joy of Christmas? And if so, ask yourself, what's been my focus? I asked the same question last week, and the way that you apply is the same as last week. Are you missing that joy of Christmas? And if so, make giving first place instead of receiving. Have you noticed that literally the one day that we set aside to be thankful for what we already have. We follow it up with Black Friday like 24 hours later so that we can get more to be thankful for on that one single day. Isn't it interesting how we have twisted around the idea of being grateful with the idea of getting more? Man, our world is all about getting. So little about giving. So little about giving. And can I just say this? Man, we got more than we need already. We do. We got more than we need. And the only thing that we keep doing is piling on more and more and more, even though we don't really feel the joy when we've got everything that we could ever want. It's not working, so let's just do more of it. Doesn't make sense, does it? And yet, that's what we do. <laughs> it's very easy to get things twisted in our minds, to get things that we think we got figured out all twisted around. Now, I'm going to point this out to you, and we talk about this idea of 
Jerusalem was disturbed. Herod was as well. But then the wise men found Christ and they found the point. (laughs) They found the destination. They found the place they needed to be. And they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So let me just share this with you. How easy it is to get twisted around. I'm going to put up a picture real quick. Now, do any of you know what this is? One single person. Does any one single person know what this is? This is the palace uh, in Rome that housed Caesar Augustus. How many of you have ever heard of Caesar Augustus? The only reason you've heard of Caesar Augustus is because, why? In Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, it says, There went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This was his house. And not a single one of you knew it. I'm going to show you something else. How many of you know what this represents? Every one of us. Who was the more powerful? Who was the more politically connected? Who was the one who was at the front of the line? And who was the one who everybody forgot about? And which one really, in hindsight, is the one who's more important? Interesting to think about. Now let me ask you one other question as we kind of bring this to a close. I want to put this picture up. There's three Caesars here. Do any of you recognize which one is Caesar Augustus? Now don't be doing that thing. If you don't know, don't guess and then stand up like you knew it all along. Because we don't believe you. We don't believe you. Here's the question for you. Do any of you guys know who Caesar Augustus is? These are all three Caesars. Check Wikipedia if you don't believe me. One of them was the Caesar who fiddled while Rome burned. That's Nero on the far left. And then the one on the far right over here. You're going to have to click to the next slide because I don't even know it, right? That's Etu Brute. That's the Etu Brute guy, right? That's Julius Caesar. And then in the middle is Caesar Augustus. And the only reason you know his name is because of why? Because of Christ. Now, let's click to this next slide. You may not know who all these people are, but you know who is in that middle, don't you? And you know that the world has changed because he's there. And you also know the name of his mom and his dad, don't you? Why? Because history has a way of revealing what is truly important versus what is pressing and powerful, and in the moment seems that it is overwhelming. The truth of the matter is, is that for most of us, we need to be reminded that we we can get it twisted so quickly and think we're following the most important things, but we're just never finding that thing that provides the joy that we're looking for. I submit to you at the end that this should be our place that we put our focus. It should be about giving instead of getting. It should be about worship and and all of these things instead of just simply about being a consumer. And maybe in the midst of it all, we'll find Christmas joy one more time. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, please come to us and help us to understand and grasp that so much of our world is pushing us in the wrong direction and, and, and this thing that used to bring us joy now has a tendency to bring emptiness. And Lord, what a tragedy it would be for us to not grasp your movement, your involvement in our lives. And in the same way that, Lord, every heart must prepare him room, just like back in the day when you came and interrupted our world.
Lord, help us to grasp that you probably are coming to us in an unexpected way. And when you do, that we would give you our very best. Not wait, not give you half measures, but instead that we would give you our very best because you deserve that and that alone. And Lord, perhaps there is one tuning in or one here in the presence today or one who will watch later who needs to be reminded that you step down into our world for us, not for you. And we have the opportunity now, every single Christmas, to figuratively bow and say, this is what matters. This is what is truly important. We have the opportunity to bow down and to worship you and give our hearts to you. And Lord, if 2020 has knocked us off course, and in the process of it all, we have found ourselves pursuing foolishness, pursuing things that don't matter, may we once again enter into the house, worship and adore you, and find the joy that comes along with it.